listening to Radio Tent House on 105.8 FM and online at interfm.no. Really, we have no... Uh no great plan. We're just going to kind of talk about life and about what Jermaine has been up to in Tentas these days and possibly about the future. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, and we're going to listen to some great music. You have already heard Lee Scratch Perry, Disco Devil, amazing track. That was the first song you heard. And the second one was a personal favorite as well. I was so happy to see it on Jermaine's list. Grateful Dead, Dire Wolf. Do you, what's, what are those songs? Uh, why'd you pick those? Jermaine has curated all the music for tonight just so that everybody understands that he has carefully, painstakingly selected a brilliant playlist for us. Well, um, why that music? It's a, uh... It's music which I uh, takes me back, or which uh, when I listening to this, it's, it's always uh, something which uh, reminds me of uh, of my time in in Africa. So I got to learn more of this music through a friend who was an artist and uh, who worked together introduced me to this great music and just stayed with me and and I use it a lot uh, I mean mostly when I'm working I mean it's uh, just as a background uh, uh, music uh, I don't want to listen to it loud but as a background music I mean it keeps on keeps me going without being distracted at all I liked it when you said um it's music that keeps you company. Yes, it does. <laughs> I think that's a great... Uh, it's a great uh, it is. It I will does. listen to that play. There's songs that keep Jermaine and Goma company while he makes his work and <laughs> while he walks around Oslo. Were the dead, were the dead big in uh, Zambia? In no, I mean, this is a very... Uh, um, uh, in, uh, in Zambia, the, the rock groups which were there, I mean, for instance, when I was uh, late, late 70s, 79, I mean, it was mostly American and English bands, I mean, like Led Zeppelin. The Stones? Um, yes, Rolling Stones, yeah. and uh, the Grateful Dead were for special group of people. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which kind of special people? <laughs> no, no, you... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, uh, what was fine was that, I mean, we... we for listening music, we 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 went as a group. I mean, we people bought uh, uh, records, and we went to one guy who has a stereo to play, and we would sit. It's kind of like a party just to listen to music, and um, um, so mostly was rock, and then later on became a lot of reggae. I mean, towards the end of the seventies, seventy-nine, there was yeah. more. But uh, the Grateful Dead was just, I mean, they, it was a very special uh, group of people who I, I, I got to know who would listen to this kind of music because it was not very much available. Actually, you wouldn't buy 
the the records. So you guys had your own little underground group underneath the other underground. Yes, because the rockers <laughs> the rockers were presumably already sort of like rebels. Yeah, of course. And then, I mean, the thing was that uh, um, uh, my first when I started to make art, I mean, the, the, I got the studio from my um, from guys who were musicians. So they oh, gave, yeah okay. they gave me an old house which they never used which so. they had been using to play music in, yeah yeah so and then I, you were able yeah, to make so, sculpture then yeah so that's where I started to to, to use that maybe sculpture. maybe we should back up for the benefit of our dear listeners out there we love all of you tuning in to one o five eight Inter FM Oslo and on air at interfm.no um to kind of like introduce Jermaine a little bit and um, you are an artist you are a sculptor primarily but you work actually across a range of media Mm. and you are also um, an experimental educator I would say and you've been um, teaching at the art at the National Academy Mm. here in Oslo for many many decades Mm. we won't tell our listeners how many (laughs) Um, and you came, you have been based in Oslo for how many years? 30 30 odd years. Yeah. Something like that. So you have been here longer than most of us. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, but you are born and we were discussing this earlier because all of, when you read Jermaine's, uh, bios on the many museums and galleries that have shown his work. He's always billed as a Zambian artist, but should we put an asterisk by that? <laughs> because you are born in Zimbabwe, yes, I and and lived in Zimbabwe the first fifteen years, yeah, or so, yeah, yeah. So why do they call you a? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a uh, 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 there is this what you call uh, um, uh, you 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 declare citizenship by birth or by naturalization so mm-hmm. for me it was by birth because of my father uh, who was a zambian mm-hmm. so then it, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so that's just a little bit of tiny tiny little bit of background just to place you where we where we might be going in this conversation and um so where were we we were in the dead and you were you got your studio. I got in, the studio in Zambia. Yes, from some friends who played music. Who played music, and, and uh, so there's this already the, a relationship between music and and sculptures and how. Yeah, it yeah. was. What were you listening to? LP, vinyl. Vinyl. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it uh, it was mostly vinyl. Was so. there was there a big uh, sort of like circulation of records? Yeah, it was actually. It was. What city are we in? Sorry. What city are we in? We are in Lusaka. We are in Lusaka. <laughs> That's the capital. We are in Lusaka, and it's nineteen seventy. It's around seventy, We could say, and Zambia, that time was, I mean, it, it was not at the top. It was just declining. But Zambia was one of the richest countries in Africa. Okay. Yeah, because of of copper. So the thing was, uh, with music on. All the top hits, if they came out in England or in London, uh, the same week we would get them in Zambia. So you, uh, whatever was a hit in in London, is 
is available in Zambia in Lusaka. And so you guys would go to the record stores? Yeah, and, 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 pick, up and pick up. And also we were listening a lot to the radio, so we know what is on the, uh, I mean, uh, it was called uh, Chats of the Pops or something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> so it was Basically the same, like, <laughs> some kind of version of... Yeah, so you you would know what what was the the hottest band which was selling or whatever. So we we got uh, most of the music which we we yeah. And and so and you, yeah, you if I get it right, you always had music on when you were working in your studio. Yes, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, uh, it's I use uh, music a lot. I mean, it's a, a um, it's part of. Uh, my working uh, process when using yeah. uh, music and yeah. that. And the the ecosystem in those early days when you were first sort of establishing yourself as an artist, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we've talked about this a bit before, but yeah. it it wasn't academies and and that kind of thing. You you had a group. Uh, you were a, some kind of collective. Uh, a collective. Of, uh, young artists, and I think uh, six, six maybe artists yeah. who uh, who were um, working together. Um, um, most of the, I mean, there was no art school, no pre-art school. The only art school was if you wanted to be a teacher. You were, there was a teachers' college, so then you would, that was the only. Um, place where they were teaching a bit of art but this uh, uh, were not it was just for teachers to uh, just to qualify to be a teacher in, in, in there but most of uh, most of the people I mean they, they uh, who were practicing art at that time were mostly self-taught mm. they never uh, they never went to to school they never and you guys it was something of a sort of Mutual sort of support, and you guys. No, 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 no. It, it was just the uh, uh, the uh, the support was um, so we devised the system of <laughs> how to survive. <laughs> so the thing was that, like in the uh, in uh, we would uh, maybe one day we would just make things which we would, which we would sell. I mean, so like uh, we made trinkets uh, and went around offices sell, uh, to sell them. I mean, we, we, so we got money for food, for materials, and then we go back and work. Yeah. So mostly, uh, we sold art through. Uh, um, it was one place uh, at that time. Uh, was an Amer American cultural center, which was uh, within the American Library, actually. So it was sort of run by the American Embassy. So they would uh, arrange exhibitions. So in that way, we could have uh, people coming to buy. So most people were there, expatriates, people yeah. were. And I'm glad to see that you were a great artist like you, benefiting from the cultural propaganda of the, <laughs> of the, uh, of the great U.S. Um, but uh, And then so you come to Norway. I've heard so many weird stories about Norway in the 80s. I'm from the United States, so and I haven't been there here that long, so uh like how provincial it was in a way or i mean it wasn't as international and uh, as it was as it is now maybe like the grocery stores were 
kind of like your selection was limited yeah i don't know what was the culture like like when you came here and you went to mayostra right yes i I was (coughs) i was living in mayostra and and uh, that was it's it's a uh, that time was the finest part of Oslo, and and uh, so I, I remember like uh, uh, if you walked into a shop. I mean, it's a, uh, uh, I, I remember I was trying to to go and buy bread, and I walked into the shop, so, and there would always be ladies who were in this shop. I mean, trying to uh, save people, and they and they see me walking in. What? Hello, what do you want? <laughs> I want to buy bread. <laughs> so then I said, oh, I just go there. So I said, and that was weird because, I mean, it's, it's a shop. I mean, it's, a, uh, it's, and, it's yeah. what they're selling. Yeah, and, and most of the shops uh, uh, in Mayushka or along Bookstavine, they were really sort of these shops where, I mean, if you walk in, uh, as an African, they were. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like they think you ha- you didn't have you didn't uh, have enough to to buy the products or something like that. So, was... But it, 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 I, I suppose it was just that uh, the the view of people that I mean the, everything about being an outsider, especially from Africa or something. Like of course, in yeah. my Australia. Yeah. So, but what was the difference between, or was there any difference? Not to be controversial, but between, for example, Kio. National Academy, yeah, which yeah. were and Bookstad Band. <laughs> was there? It, it was. Was it two different worlds? It, it, it was. It, yeah. it was because <clears throat> in in the uh, Saint Olaf's country or what is it? Yeah. Uh, what we called it the National Academy that time. It was before Kio actually, and uh, it wasn't a different world actually because it was uh, it was more um, uh, young people. It was. Uh, Still reserved, but a bit curious. So I mean, uh, it was total different being on the street in Mayushka. Should we? Should we? Because Kyo, there's a lot to talk about about Kyo. Should we listen to a song and keep uh, keep our listeners, uh, and then we come back? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And talk a little bit about Kyo, maybe. This is uh, Linton Quasi Johnson, Sunny Letta. You're listening to 105.8 InterFM Oslo, interfm.no online. That was Linton Quasi Johnson, Sunny Letta. I was listening to this before. There were like few different versions of this we were talking about it i think i had a live one but um yeah why'd you pick uh linton been listening to and actually i uh, i didn't know about him it was just by coincidence i was in the in the record shop and i sort of saw this cover with the, like a man going down the stairs <laughs> And I was curious, so uh, I asked the guy who was uh, there, I mean, um, uh, 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 who is this guy? But then he said, no, he's, he's a, actually, he's a, he's a poet. But then I was a little bit sort of uh, thing, uh, you want to buy a poet? And they said, no, you should try him. So I went and tried him. And I, it, it was, uh, this is an album called ba- Bus 
bus people or bus culture. I, don't, mm. I think it's called bus people, I think. Mm. And uh, that's how I came to, to it. And from there, I liked it. I mean, it's a kind of, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mixture of everything. I mean, it's, it's poetry, but at the same time, I mean, it's a, a, a lot of good music accompanying and also it. It's super political. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's he, an he is. Yeah, he's an activist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you li- listen to all the lyrics, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, and I love that. I mean, it's a kind of, a, um, a, it's a nice way of delivering something in a, in a more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, say than just standing on the corner and shouting. <laughs> but in this way, you actually having can, an amazing uh, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can deliver the message in a, in a, the most uh, effective way, actually. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, of course, all his his songs. I mean, actually, are, are, are political. I mean, uh, a few. I mean, I just which is. <laughs> I've listened to one which is kind of like a love song. I'm sure it was for when he met his wife. I mean, this is totally different from most of the, the tracks. <laughs> He's very, very gentry. <laughs> so, but um, no, I, I like uh, 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 his message. I like uh, what, what he talks about. I mean, uh, it's... Uh, um, like you say, it's, it's either you're a painter, you you talk about something which is which affects uh, which affects people or a certain group of people. I mean, for him, it's a group of people which, especially he he, he speaks for, and, mm. and that uh, that I love. I mean, then it's it's a. And he also and, moved around a lot, didn't he? He died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So in that way, just like the way he, he delivers the message, and and and, uh, and it's just a, uh, I love it's it's just yeah. so relaxed and, so and it's very it's so good. Yeah, I was I was extremely happy to when I listened to all these songs uh, when you first sent the playlist. I was like, yes, <laughs> this is yeah. And when you were going to when you came to Oslo, where, did you find record stores that you went to here? Yes, um, uh, actually, there was a lot of record shops in Oslo. I mean, uh, in the eighties. I mean, both vinyl and and uh, a lot of vinyl uh, 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 shops, which were selling. I mean, uh, import uh, records from yeah, all over the yeah. world. And like Tiger, was that? Was that around then? No, 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 no. no. That's, they were. They, they used to be actually. There was. Well, there was one uh, in Mayushka which was run by uh, father and son. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was really, really good. Do you remember the name? I uh, know. I don't remember the name now. If there was one just uh, up in Ulvorsvann, just oh. uh, opposite, just opposite the church. I mean, this was oh. a really, really good one. Near the, the academy. Yeah, near the yeah. academy. Yeah, really, really good. And there was one in the. Sit Center, which was run by yeah, he's he's kind of very famous. This guy, I don't remember the name. Um, uh, I don't remember the name, but he 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 was just uh, in uh, just in Kaliwon, uh, Kaliwon's got uh, up uh, uh, on the second floor. He used to run a shop there. What was what was Young Storget like in 
1987. Uh, it's like, uh, which one? Which one? Or like, what was downtown here, like where we are now? And well, I mean, it's it's uh, Torgat and all these streets that have. Yeah, it's it, Torgat was was there, but uh, it has changed a lot yeah. actually. Torgat yeah. was there. This was mostly um, uh, um, uh, it was a place where you you meet a lot of foreigners actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But nice. now, it, now it's more kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, we stay in in uh, place and people yeah, and exactly. everybody's drinks. Yeah, I would so, love to have like a time machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and go back yeah. to Oslo in yeah. the eighties. No, know, it's it's a uh, um, it, it it was very uh, now it's a lot uh, happening. But that time, I mean, it was like we were like at one a.m. At Torgat, uh, were there people shouting and? Yes, I mean yeah. it was. I mean it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was always action. There was always I mean, action. Yeah. yeah, even up in the in the city center itself. I mean, there was always action. I mean, one. I mean, because people, the, the pubs are either closing. There were, there were places which went uh, throughout almost up to about three in the morning. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, bars and, always. We need yeah. like uh, where there's a lot of people in the studio right now, and none of us are. From Norway, so. But how long have bars been staying open till three? That's a nice question. Yeah, well, but they were was, always open till three. When you, yeah, you know. some were. Yeah, where something. did Where did the Keo crew in the eighties hang out? Where we did you guys drink beer? <laughs> where did we, you guys like? Well, we we went to the last train. <laughs> last train. <laughs> I, yeah, I love, I love that place. I we went to last train, yeah. and there was a, 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 a one place down in the city center, which was a, a, I can't remember. They were they they had this. Um, uh, uh, it, it wasn't a gay bar, but it was kind of a lot of. Uh, uh, um, was it London? No, no, it was in no. London. Like, it wasn't. Um, uh, it was very famous this place because they uh, was uh, there karaoke. No, it was actually <laughs> pe performance. I mean, okay. what uh, the, uh, what you call uh, not uh, not karaoke, but uh, there was a lot of performance okay. and with um, how how I describe this. It, it was uh, it was very famous and yeah. it was always packed and and. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of. Uh, I mean, we we were young, so we we went uh, cruising up the whole city. I mean, from one place to another until you, yeah, uh, you really each place we went and we were drinking and. Then, what is uh, it? Do you remember what a beer cost in the eighties? Because that was my first culture <laughs> shock when I came to Norway. I was no, at I Beverly's don't... in downtown Stavanger, <laughs> and they brought the beer for ninety kroner, and I had to do the calculation in my head. <laughs> I almost <laughs> melted. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I, actually, I don't remember now what was the price of beer. That I thought it, it is a strange. I can't remember what was the price of beer actually, but it wasn't cheap actually. So no, uh, no it wasn't cheap. No, it wasn't cheap. And and we were mostly drinking beer than wine. So I mean, it's, it was uh, it wasn't cheap. I can't. Re I, I'm sorry, I can't really. And did the Keo crew? Did they? Did you guys like stick with the whole like 
Nashville, Forceville, Nashville tradition, and were you up very late or? Yeah, we were. I mean, it's it. Uh, we it mostly started at school, so we would uh, really start from a big bang. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we go out into the city. I mean, yeah. so we could be a really huge group, but we sort of split. I mean, in the end, we, we either we are. It's six of us, or the other groups split to the other. But so it kind of it kind of maybe leads to like the the Kyo discussion somehow because, <clears throat> and like anything I say, please take with a grain of salt because I'm I'm just learning about what you know how the transitions and how the history is yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. But um, I read a, I read an article in Kunskritik, I think it was from Lotta. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 and it was you know just kind of talking about the difference and how the things have changed and it how before you know there was this more focus for example you know students got their own studios you, mm-hmm. got, you got your own little shabby space yeah, yeah, to work yeah. mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't very like shiny and whatever you at least had something that functioned in a way where you could work whereas now this emphasis the architectural mm, mm, mm. but were you guys able to i mean do you think that the space at st louis itself did that facilitate a more i mean either both on the in terms of your practice mm, mm. and how you were able to have the space the correct space in order mm, to mm, think mm. about your work mm, mm. and also from the social standpoint and maybe if that also had an effect on your work or, sure 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 yeah sure. I mean, St. Louis got always uh, uh, compared to uh, Sailduk or Fosline. Um, it's uh, St. Louis got each one had a place where you could put most of your things, and but we had huge space out in and out. I mean, we had. I mean, I shown you pictures of some of my work in this big room. This yeah. big room was was uh, special for sculpture. But also, you you were not limited into this room. You could go out. I mean, they had this big yard. You could work with stone. You could work. And it, it was just, I mean, uh, everywhere was a place. I mean, it was just, uh, and, and in the sculpture department, we actually um, uh, built a tent, also as part of a working space. Mm. So there was a lot of working space. And socially... Uh, it was really good. I mean, we we had uh, one common place like the kitchen where we met, and uh, of course, always the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we would talk and, and make food. And once we we are done, we go back to work. I mean, we were working. I mean, uh, um, not not like now at uh, uh, Kio for for Spain. We were working up to midnight, mm. and and um, but. This was possible because of the social uh, structure which we had. I mean, we had mm-hmm. this place where we could, it, if you were tired, you go there and sit and make food, or if uh, and also you could exchange. Uh, yeah, and ideas. I want to I want to emphasize to our dear listeners, thank you for being with us tonight. That um, the scale of your work at that time was large. It, it was, was yeah. it was it was it was very large and there and the weight and the and the 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 serious materiality mm-hmm. of those sculptures mm-hmm. that I have seen pictures of and that all of the public will get a chance to see in a 
forthcoming publication that we are <laughs> diligently working on that you will see one day. So we're very excited to give to you. Um, no, but the scale of the work, and I'm wondering, did the yeah, did the did the space that um, did the old way of constructing the art academy, if I could like say it in a mm-hmm. grandiose way, mm-hmm. did that maybe give more possibilities or yeah, it, limit it, or not? I know now there's so much. There's every tool you could ever imagine up there. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But, but then, then, yeah, at that time, I mean, it's a, a, a um, uh, we we had tools, but also, I mean, this it it was the the. Um, the freedom of having this space both in and out, which was a very, very important. Did anybody so, like uh, curate? I'm doing the air quotes with my fingers, uh, curate that space or was it? No. Was it, it, it open it, for? It was just open. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was oh, open. <laughs> then, uh, it, it was uh, uh, that time we, uh, it hadn't, started with curating and all that it was just there there so were no was, curators back then that's been a very no no i don't think i don't yeah yeah so yeah. I, I don't i i think they they curating came when uh, when we started to 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 work with installations and all that because of the sort of uh, a required kind of a special way of dealing with like the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you said <laughs> dealing with the space in a way that I really appreciate. <laughs> so, uh, in, in a way, that's, then that's when it started to come in. I mean, the, uh, uh, because of the um, the expanse of that, that you, you, one person could contain such a large space and were you like were you like i'll i'll get this space next week was there a schedule i mean did you or was it no it it was a kind of it it was mostly for instance in at at, 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 the some of the some of the pictures you've seen this uh, so this was mostly we we started to have this kind of like weekend uh, exhibitions so you could uh, use the whole space to yourself. Yeah. But uh, in in between, it was that we could, I mean, there could be three, four people working within that space. I mean, the one maybe on the corner, which, which was really interesting because each one was minding their own business. And, 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 uh, uh, but still, we managed to work without any kind of conflict at yeah. all. I mean, so just when you pay attention to what you're doing. Oh, that sounds yeah, terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if it, if it was uh, it was available, then one can use it. As, I mean, for instance, I, uh, with this uh, styrofoam works, which uh, I mean, like I would occupy that. I mean, like in the weekend and just use the whole space. And I wanna, I wanna like kind of these works are so fascinating and beautiful to me. They are kind of like all of the packaging of the of the your everyday dishwasher your your vita vada as they i guess like and you were collecting this mm, I, I was yeah. you were collecting this stuff and building mm. huge structures out of mm-hmm. it and um maybe uh maybe um before we go to our next song you can say like just a little bit about i mean what was drawing you to what was the first time you 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 went for use that as a material 
The, the first time I, I, I used that as a material was just because I, uh, I, I had, um, uh, uh, I was working as a foundry uh, technician and in the backyard there was a lot of this uh, um, because there were shops around and they would, uh, when they were empty, they would be chucked out in the backyard. And it was just the interest of, uh, of that uh, in themselves, they were, they were just... I can't really got fascinated by them because they were just uh, looked beautiful objects. But then I, uh, being a, a, a casting technician, and also, I mean, that time I was running actually virtually the whole um, uh, um, uh, technical department in, the, in St. Olafskart. I was doing everything from casting to all this. So I had this from the experience of uh, being um, trained as a, as, a, as a classical sculptor, so where you cast from clay to, to plaster to this. And this is kind of like, and I sort of got fascinated by the idea of that this is a mold, it's an empty space. And I got curious about to feel it again. And, and and see what what comes out of it. Is it going to look like the product which was there before, or is something else totally? And it was quite interesting because each each of the of this package gave you a different uh, um, object, which has no resemblance at all to, to the original. To the original, <laughs> even though the the styrofoam itself is. Like manufactured to fit that object, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But some, like, I mean, I would say that some of them you would only recognize something. But like I've instance, seen, I don't, yeah. I, I've seen them pictures. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, for instance, uh, it was uh, that time they were starting to bring in these Sony TVs. I mean, this huge thing. I don't know, I mean, inches, twenty-four, or even more than twenty-four inches, or whatever it was. But only what uh, uh, what you could recognize is the back of the TV. So otherwise, everything was sort of abstracted. So you, you got this abstraction uh, by fault. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so it's, uh, it was very interesting. And I, um, uh, so I, that's, that's how I started to, to, to work with them, actually. I haven't quite worked it out yet, but there's something really amazing going on when you are taking these objects that have been circulating in this crazy global consumerist capitalist system, and you're showing that the very things that are sort of constructed to protect them mm -hmm. are also this weird means of their negative space mm. and their, their, their ways of abstracting them and yeah mm. so it's uh, um, and I got obsessed with them and I still <laughs> it's very difficult so, and, to, yeah, it's so, very difficult for me to pass them yeah. I mean it's I have to <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I've been begging Jermaine uh, to take uh, take me to your storage unit. I, I imagine Jermaine's got storage units all over the outskirts of Oslo, just full of styrofoam, just full of the inside of packages of Sony TVs. <laughs> but it's very interesting because I I look at them and 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 
the technology of packaging has also changed and also the technology of the products have changed. I mean, you can actually read the inside of that. They, they, they become narrower and, and yet before they were actually bulky. I mean, uh, mm. if it was either computers or whatever it was. But now, I mean, it's sort of everything sort of is sort of lean and, and, and even more. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you, it's... It has. It's evolving. I mean, the the packaging technology. You know how they are packing. Is that going to affect your work? No, not really. (laughs) Not really. You can still build houses out of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not not. It it won't affect the the way I imagine them in a way. So it's it's so. Okay, let's hear some music. Let's hear some music and come back with Jermaine Goma on. 105.8 105.8 FM Oslo and online at interfm.ml. Having a great time here in the studio in downtown Oslo. It's raining. The bus is going by. Shout out, Helen. Shout out, Matthew. I see you. I hear you. <laughs> um, we were just talking about Bob. And what were you, uh, you want to tell our listeners what you were telling me? And that that he went to perform in in in, in Harare uh, during the inauguration of uh, Robert Mugabe, it's, and uh, when they got the independence, it's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing history. Yeah. So so he brought a lot of. Uh, I mean, you were uh, in Lusaka then. I was in Lusaka. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So where, was everybody in Lusaka like, oh my god? Yeah, Bob, we, we were Bob just is <laughs> coming to like our neighborhood. <laughs> we should have been there, but yeah. a lot of Zambian traveled yeah. actually to go. Yeah. And, I mean, because uh, at that time Bob was just uh, really at the, uh, on on top. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. But there's still a lot of influence. I mean, there's you, know, you everywhere you go, you see rasters. I mean, it's yeah. it's um, everybody who is a musician or artist is a raster. I mean, so it's a kind of uh, an influence which is uh, was brought from that time. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, where were we before the break? Where were we? Do you guys remember? We were talking about the packaging. Yes, we were talking about the packaging. We were talking package. about the packaging. And so, yeah, the early packaging. Jermaine Ngoma, sculptor, been using, been dealing with a thematic of packaging in various ways. Mm. I've seen sculptures of made of the packaging peanuts. Mm, mm. We've seen um, molds uh, built out of the styrofoam. Mm. We've seen various different casts. Uh, Using this as um, in all sorts of heavy material ways, mm, mm. Um, and now uh, all the way up to now, you're still working with this. Yes, I, ways, I, so. I still do that. Actually, it's 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 something which is kind of like like I said, it's not yeah an obsession, but it's kind of like a, it comes back all the time, even and. Being an aware of it, it comes in. It just sneaks in, and so there is a. It's an element which has just followed me, and 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 it comes no matter what I'm working with. In the end, it will come in. And so, for those who don't know, Jermaine is doing a sort of um, residency of sorts here at Tent House Oslo in um, 
on uh, Maridalsvejen here in central Oslo, and you have been just kind of casually working and hanging out and and being in the space in which you're going to have a solo exhibition in one year's time. Mm. And we thought that that was really cool that, you know, you had this opportunity to kind of live in the space so long in advance mm. of, of having the show there. And at the same time, you've been making work. Yes. You've been making work. And there is actually a styrofoam, I noticed, uh, uh, package. And, yes. and this time it's filled with filled with uh, coal. With coal, yeah. yeah. It, it's, 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 it's filled with coal. Because Black it was, uh, coal. Yes. When I, when I came in, I brought a lot of different things, uh, wax and, and styrofoam. But it's uh, um, the wax and other things I dealt with. But with the styrofoam, it was just, uh, it, it's something... Which just got stuck. Uh, I'm stuck with that. It's not really stuck. I know what I want to do, but at the same time, I think it's a, it's a um, a little bit uh, uh, difficult uh, for me to continue with it. Or uh, I'm just thinking I, I have to find a way of kind of a continuation with it because some of the elements which I wanted to bring into this work is uh, is not going to be possible because otherwise it's just too much spread so mm, mm. i think i'll just sort of try to to trim it down and just bring other elements which will sort of uh, be more coherent in in the in the object let's see in in one room there is um i'm doing this from memory now so correct me if i misremember but uh, there's a yellow square of flat wax it's about about a half an inch thick about a centimeter or so thick and it's maybe one meter by one meter mm. square mm. and then inside that there's a square of coal mm. a thin mm. layer but mm. a solid layer mm. of, of small charcoal yeah and then um on top of that there's a, a two wax feet a cast mm. of mm. wax feet mm. that are hollowed out and filled with water mm. And what's uh, what's going on in that piece? <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful, stunning work. And, uh, it's yeah. it's a, 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 a it when I work, uh, I like to be. A, 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 how would I how would I say uh, organic in a way that uh, nothing is fixed, nothing. But uh, I can just. Pursue the idea is always hung into my head, and I have the elements, but sometimes it's not the how I'm going to use the elements is not as clear as, as I, otherwise it's a uh, so I always let everything loose and 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 with this fit which uh, actually I was uh, at first they were standing on the table. <laughs> So it was almost like they were going to jump out down to the, but then I I, I thought I, I I changed again that uh, so I wanted to to have them direct onto the coal, mm. and and the idea is actually sort of a, sort of a, I'm thinking of like a, a, it has a lot of different connotations actually, but uh, it's a, it's a it's a kind of like a, it could it's also kind of a carpet as as well. Yeah. But uh, also at the same time, it's kind of like uh, firewalkers, you know. It's mm. <laughs> and 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 in this idea of firewalking is that I have the water in my in my feet, which is actually uh, uh, because firewalking is kind of like a it's a it's kind of like a trick actually. I mean, because uh, 
um, uh, people are, uh, either you are walking very fast to to cross to the uh, the 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 cold. the cold or but for me i think i just uh, it's it's kind of like just, i have the the water which is <laughs> just dunk your feet in yeah, water, water and then <laughs> and they'll walk over but, uh, it's, but there's it's, something it's, so delicate about those about the translucent wax yes, of yes, the feet yeah, yeah. and also something about when you put wax in that close con- proximity to the coal, <laughs> I just am waiting for it to melt. Um, I know. There's that's a certain it. delicacy there. And yeah. I wonder if that's... Yeah, there is. I mean, that's that's what also I'm playing with mm. in, in a way. This, mm. uh, this, the, these two are kind of opposite uh, uh, or... Uh, um, uh, you have the coal, which is re- uh, representing something, and then you have... Uh, you are the wax, which is so representing something, which is, uh, uh, and this also goes back to to this. Uh, we have talked a bit about this uh, in my uh, in, uh, being a um, casting uh, technician. I mean, all this it's all feeds back into my work. I mean, it's uh, I deal with with hot elements, and then what I'm playing with is just this. These elements, which are sort of kind of opposite each other, and a certain not mastery, but a management of yeah, yeah. extreme heat. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. A, a heat so so strong that it melts metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're dealing with that. You're in mm. close contact with that mm. that those extremes mm. um, on it's, a daily. It's it's a it's a control. I mean, mm. it's a uh, actually fire is is about control. I mean, if you don't control it, it goes. It just goes. Well, so in a that. way, you have a fireplace. It's a way of containing the fire. I mean, mm. in 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 my practice of casting, is I have the fence where I control the fire, and mm. and when it goes out, what I'm dealing with is actually also control. I mean, you have this really uh, extreme of uh, which you you have to all all the time being cautious. I mean, you you are. You have to be alert all the time. You can't really... Yeah. Uh, and we're a little late on time, but I would one day want you to tell everyone, or maybe we'll write about it in the book, about all the foundries and furnaces that you built in Zambia <laughs> as, a, as a young artist. Um, I've heard these stories. They are fantastic. They, I mean, <laughs> these inventions. You're an inventor. You, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, but there are other works downstairs to add Tent House, Oslo, that I just want to mention because I came into the gallery the other day and someone was saying, it's like, uh, they come into the gallery when uh, over the course of your residency and, and it's like, the scissors are, they were on this floor, but now they're on the desk. Like, no, no, little no. changes and everyone's like, oh, what's going on here? And it's been really a pleasure for everyone I know at Tent House to have you there. And, but there are some new works there. These circles of wax mm. that... I, I, I was I was blown away by them. They were they were incredible, and um, they're just simple circles of cast wax, of hmm. uh, wax inside of a sort of a found frame. And yeah, frame. Yeah, they have sort of... different materials on them. One is a brick. Yeah. Uh, one is a honeycomb, and one is a mushroom, hmm. or some kind of. Yeah. I don't know, and I laughed really hard when you said, "I've had that mushroom for years." But I don't know if you if you are at a place where you can say something about 
where those works are going or where they came from or I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because it's a, um, a, the way I've been working here is, as you said, in, in residence. The thing is that uh, I have to bring in materials into the into the space to work with. But it's not. I'm, uh, it's not enough for me. I'm sort of used to it. My, uh, I have this end of my hand. I can just pick something and put onto it if it's something it's possible to use it in my. In your doctor. normal working environment. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And yeah. but here I have to bring everything to it, and and this has been really kind of. Uh, I have to walk out of the space, go to the other space uh, somewhere else to collect materials to come with and start working. But on this day, I was um, I was sitting and I thought, oh, I go and back to, uh, to, to the other place where I have to melt the wax. And then I was melting the wax. And, and suddenly the idea came of these rings, which are sort of, they actually drum, they lock the leads on the drums. So they're almost like frame. But uh, the idea came because I was talking to Mechu. Uh, uh, the director oh, of Tent House. Yeah, she said, oh, I'm sorry that we've been so much noisy. I mean, it's a, it's a, but I kind of like that porosity of the space that it's, a, it's, a, it's not completely sort of sealed, that it was a lot of noise coming in and out. Oh, and and in this the works we were talking about in the rings is that so I thought oh it just came back and they said they there's I just had this idea they're wall pieces or they're floor pieces but then I was thinking the porosity of noise in the in the in the gallery so I would think okay in the wall I mean this so I put all these elements which are sort of kind of like uh, I mean they yeah resonate with uh, kind of uh, like. Yeah, the honeycomb. Yeah, yeah, the, brick, yeah, the yeah, bricks yeah. were there. These bricks with a lot of little holes. Yeah, in yeah, them. yeah. So yeah. it's it's uh, that's how the 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 work came beautiful. about. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's, it's represent actually the tent house space. Of, <laughs> is that so, amazing or what? <laughs> I love that, and I have to say that I also just feel this uh, immense energy from the tent house crew. Yeah, and Nikhil yeah, and Shaw. Matthew, Helen, mm. Abba, mm. Stefan, all you guys, James, you guys, um, it's amazing to be able to mm. hang out and to work with you. No, they're wonderful people. Yes, yeah. really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're, we're 10 minutes over and that just might be the perfect <laughs> place to kind of wrap. Yes, we but do that. Lucky for you, dear listeners out in rainy Oslo, hopefully driving safely in your cars on your way home uh you have a solid 10 six more five or six more songs of Jermaine and Goma's playlist um starting with uh Kronos Quartet so we're gonna play you out with that and uh we're gonna post the full playlist on tenthouse.no tenthouse.no yeah tenthouse.no thank you nickel um for those who want to um you know check out the songs themselves and i really encourage all of you guys to follow tenthouse oslo on all their stuff and they've got just amazing things coming up over the next months weeks and months and Jermaine Ngoma will open uh, his solo show in September of 2021. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We love you.
Good night. Yeah, that was great. Thanks so much to both of you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jermaine. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, Drew. Yeah, it We're here with uh, Ingrid Fadnes um, from uh, Lac Noga, Latin America Grupina Inoga. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about activism and artivism. And um, hi, hi, Ingrid, I should say. Yeah, hello. Hello. Nice to be here. And um, yeah, we, uh, we collaborated uh, recently on um, a little ad busting project to mark... Uh, to mark an event, a significant event that happened in Mexico some years ago. Um, perhaps you could explain to us a little bit about that anniversary and why it was an important date. Yeah, sure. That was uh, 26th of September, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we marked the day of the forced disappearance of uh, 43 young students in Mexico from the rural school called Ayotzinapa. So this happened in 2014. Um, so it's been six years, and every year and throughout the year, manifestations are taking place in Mexico and internationally to get the students back again, because nobody knows what actually happened to them. We only know that the police, the, the Mexican local police, took them during the night of the 26th of September in the state of Guerrero, in a town called Incubala. And they drove them out of uh, the city after attacking them and killing six people. And since then, they have been despaired and the state has held back the truth uh, and tried to present like an alternative version, calling it historical truth, which has been um, uh, denied by the parents and the students themselves mm. as uh, lies and like, uh, yeah. Uh, because they are not willing to investigate the particip participation of the military forces and, and the police. Mm, in, the, in the disappearance of these these students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's it's particularly um, significant because you were explaining to me that the students participate in these kind of rural schools or education programs that are taught in indig indigenous languages and focus very much on sustaining indigenous cultures in that region. Is that right? That's right. And it's not only in the state of Guerrero. It's uh, the, what is called like the Escuela Rurale, the rural schools. Like um, you could translate this as, as um, uh, or like it's more like practical schools, uh, school that focus on education and also on agriculture. Mm. And, the, the schools was established after the Mexican Revolution. So uh, the Mexican Revolution, we are talking about the revolution 100 years ago. So these schools have a long tradition in, in Mexico. Mm. And they've been very important to educate people from the countryside and especially indigenous populations. And it's been like um, uh, a way of educating people, not only uh, in their own indigenous language, but to be teachers in their own regions and, and mm. communities. So today, I'm not sure of the number now, but it's been like um, close to hundreds of these ruralities in, in, in 
Mexico and today we're talking about maybe something like 20 and Ayotzinapa is one of the schools mm. and this is a school for only boys you have uh, also mixed schools and schools only for girls and at this specific school in Ayotzinapa they um, teach um, young uh, young boys to be become teachers in their own communities mm. and you said there's only 20 of these schools active now I can't actually remember the exact number, but they have been going down because uh, the state is giving less and less economical support to these schools. So mm. Ayutzinapa is one of one example of uh, how they survive by uh, uh, cultivating their own food. They get support, or they do like political actions uh, to gather money for for the school. So they are quite radical in their actions, actions mm. also to 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 survive the school. And why is it so important for the Mexican government to suppress this this movement and this this transfer of indigenous knowledge? Do you think? Uh, I think it's been important for the Mexican state ever since uh, colonization. So Mexico is also the whole state system is based upon the colonial heritage. So mm. indigenous population in Mexico has always been uh, marginalized, excluded from the system. Uh, and they are self-organized in so many regions in Mexico, uh, in some parts more than in others. This depends on how much uh, contact and affected they are by uh, capitalist uh, development, where you've had like uh, a lot of migration and uh, urbanization. In Guerrero, this uh, this state, they have a long tradition of uh, self-organization and also armed guerrillas, mm. also by the indigenous population and. Uh, the state is constantly, constantly trying to attack these communities and all kind of initiatives they will have to um, work against uh, mining in the area. And this is also where you have an increased production of uh, opium to heroin production. So it's one of the most important regions in Latin America of heroin exportation. Mm. So you have a lot of, uh, you know, it's so many layers, mm. um, but of course a very strong racism that is like the, the fundament also of this oppression of these students. Mm. Do you do you see um other other similar um initiatives and kind of organizations uh to these rural schools that exist in Norway? Are there parallels there? Um or do you see any any other similarities um to the situation here in Norway Norway with the Sami population? Yeah, I think it's uh, when we talk about, especially when we talk about coloniality and the colonial heritage, then Mexico uh, mm. is also like a mirror of any other place or territory where you've had colonization. Mm. So also here, along uh, the Norwegian state is based upon excluding uh, everyone who is not in that or like recognized as a Norwegian, like uh, your Norwegian heritage. So. Mm. Uh, also how the Norwegian state has oppressed and excluded not only the Samis, but uh, I think that's much more visible because the Sami population is quite significant and big in Norway and it's despite uh, all the attempt of uh, excluding them from education system, culture, political rights, territorial rights, they still exist and have uh, worked so much for the last uh, decades or ever. I, I wouldn't say that they have worked for the last decade, they have worked like Every, like since the beginning, but uh, especially the last 
30 years, more or less, you can see um, uh, organized uh, uh, organization like to, to take back brains in indigenous language, to get education, mm. to have higher education also in some of the small Sami languages like Uisak. And um, can you explain a little bit about um, Lagnorga in, in general and and what your role is in in terms of um, highlighting these these issues that you know are taking place um, you know the other side of the world and why why it's important for an organisation like Lagnorga to to show solidarity. Yeah, uh, the Latin American group in Norway, or what is known as LAG, L-A-G um, is an organization that um, was more or less like formalized in the late 70s, so it's been working for more than 40 years, and mm. it's actually, like when it started, it was based upon a clear idea of solidarity, uh, and from the beginning, this was in collaboration with political movements in Latin America, and we're talking like in the beginning, especially the, the revolution in Nicaragua and mm. the, the dictatorship in Chile that uh, uh, displaced a lot of people as political refugees. Uh, many of them came to Norway, but also from Bolivia, from Peru, uh, from Colombia, uh, also other countries, but maybe especially these countries. So mm. it was the organization was articulated or it, since the beginning, like working with a very clear political ID and uh, uh, with solidarity as the fundament. So even now, 40 years later, this is also like the fundament of the organization, even though we can have disagreements on specific uh, political issues. Um, LOG is, uh, is an organization with people, like very young people, uh, teenagers, like or early 20s, uh, with uh, maybe our oldest and active members are like 85. So mm. people have a lot of, experience many are uh, like um, their political formation or education was uh, during the cold war war so mm. they are you know have a different political experience than younger activists uh, that i will i will include myself like starting my working luck with uh, the zapatista movement and indigenous movement in Chiapas, mexico mm. so i got to different like political education and practice and experience uh, through this mm. and um, uh, Ayotzinapa, and like if we're talking about this specific case of Ayotzinapa that Log has been working with, um, and this is because Log is part of a bigger network of organizations in Mexico and throughout Europe and in, internationally that is called La Sexta. La Sexta is based upon the sixth declaration from uh, the Zapatista movement in Chiapas. It's a very strong declaration that Log uh, uh, signed and committed to in. 2005, mm. um, and uh, this is the reason why we we still are a member of uh, the declaration. We work uh, within this network, and when the students was disappeared in 2014, uh, it was like an alarm going through this network, mm. and uh, we have been coordinating both like in 2015, early 2015 in January, I think January February. Uh, people from Helsinki came also to Norway, so part of our work was like receiving them, uh, mm. giving them attention, trying to uh, draw uh, attention to yeah to, uh, to the media, 
and to get debates around this. Like, how can you disappear 43 students and then lie about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, a colleague of mine, he he uh, um, he said the other day, and I think that was very strong. Like, imagine if the uh, Soviet Union disappeared 43 young students like during the Cold War, how would the world react? Like, uh, yeah. you don't have any reaction towards Mexico, and people are not debating. Politicians are not saying anything about it. And yeah, because they're the, yeah. they are the allies, not the enemies. You know, if this yeah. was to happen in China or Russia, it would be. Ah, it would be, uh, you know, or North Korea. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, so uh, Mexico is kind of uh, slipping away with this uh, state terror, and not only Mexico. You can see Colombia and all the. Mm. Yeah, the development we've seen for the last day, and a lot of people in in Lag are working with Colombia now, trying to say like, no way you participated in signing the peace accords in Colombia, but uh, Colombia is exporting more cocaine than ever and killing more people than ever. Mm. How can this be that we celebrate this peace prize when the consequences, uh, you know, are this? Yeah, and so, I, I yeah. guess a big part of your work is lobbying the Norwegian government to divest and, and not participate in in um, condoning what's happening at the very least yeah. through these kind of awards and recognition. Mm-hmm. That is a big part of it and also working against free trade agreements that Norway is trying to sign with um, Latin American countries like the recent uh, Mercosur agreement that LOG and other organizations together in an alliance is trying to stop. So, yeah, things like this are very important to, and solidarity means like to listen to the demands of the grassroots of our comrades in other territories and identify with them and realizing that it's, it is our common struggle. It's not like something far away, far away from us. Like, uh, we are also responsible. And if we do not, you know, uh, put up a struggle against this, the consequences will be for all of us. Mm. And then, how how um how do you work or how do you strategize when it comes to using art as part of your campaigns? Because I know that for the Ayotzinapa anniversary, uh, there was this beautiful um, graphic novel translated into Norwegian and published and, and sold here in Norway. And um, obviously, we worked together on a what you could call an artivism project and. I know you have other kind of art initiatives um, taking place. So, so what, why do you feel it's important to um, f- to have a, a kind of artistic, creative aspect to your very important uh, work that you do at Love? I maybe it's important mainly due to two reasons. I think as activists, it's very important to be creative in the ways we express and communicate mm. and also practically work like to actually make something with your own hands to paint something to cut something to put it out to uh, maybe knit something um, uh, like to do something physically is important and it can also create a, 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 like a place of encounter where you can discuss political issues but while you are doing something, you're not only like passively listening to something, you're actually like, okay, so mm. I'm going to draw this, I'm going to do this. And I think um, it kind of embodies you or connects you with the political struggles uh, in a different level than 
if you only like uh, listen to lectures or debates. Yeah. It's a very like passive way of doing political work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like one aspect. And the other one is to reach people on different platforms. Like if you are more creative, like we have done uh, a lot of murals, uh, wall painting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we will leave something out in the public uh, space that people can walk by and maybe some will see it, maybe some will recognize something or they will ask, okay, what is this? Why are it's like 43 <laughs> faces on the wall? Like, why, why is it saying, where are they? Like, okay, I am up, I can check this out. So yeah. I think it's, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very important to like keep up activism and to like actively, because it's, it's hard. It's, I think a lot of people find it uh, challenging, myself included, mm. to be present in the political struggles. But um, when we find like different ways of working, then it kind of uh, uh, gives you energy as well, like to yeah, to create something and do it together. And the the book that you're mentioning um, that was published uh, now in in relation to the anniversary. It's a very important publication in Norway, and it's the first publication that we have that is uh, saying something about this uh, disappearance of the 43 students. Mm. And it's a graphic novel, or yeah, it's a graphic, I think mm. that would be like the proper thing to say, it's a graphic novel, and it's based upon interviews and um, actual happenings, so it's a, a, it's a, docu- or like a documentary of the uh, what yeah, it's like a it's it's a historical record in many ways, or yeah, yeah, it's a trying based on fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the book was uh, translated not uh, with the support from Blog and Peace Brigade International in Norway that also work in Mexico and Colombia, and it was published by the new publisher Camino Furlag, uh, that started up this year. And it's kind of the, also the, the publisher, Camino, is trying to contribute to something very important, I think, and that is translating books that is not coming through on the international book market because it's mm. market driven and market controlled. So mm. people or like the big publisher want to publish kind of good titles, important works because it don't sell. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, for, for a lot of or, or many of us, it's. Uh, yeah, this uh, publisher is very important um, that we could do like uh, this book uh, translated by Susanne Nurman who has worked in, in Mexico for a decade or something mm. um, it's yeah I think it's it maybe it will be possible to have a dialogue with uh, people that not normally seek a political organization as luck or political parties mm. yeah that's, that's really interesting I mean it, it's a uh... It's a beautiful book. It's uh, really nicely um, illustrated and designed, and I think uh, as well the the um, the work you do, like making these cases public, uh, literally in public space, I think is also um, interesting because uh, especially when you take these ad shows, you kind of adopt the the scale and the visibility of advertising, and then it kind of almost legitimizes the the issue by um, yeah. taking these same spaces that people pay for um, to get their messages across. Yeah, um, sure. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm super impressed by Lagnorga and, and uh, the amount of work you do and, and how bold you are in your actions. 
Yeah, I think we could do, I mean, always we could do even more, but I think these kind of actions are very inspiring, like to open up for political activists more creative spaces. And uh, mm. I think it's always, like, I've been active in Plug since 2005, mm. and I think since I started, uh, what I hear the most up until now is, like, I want to do more activism. And it's like... Um, but uh, I think a lot of things that we do is like activism. It's political work, but I think what people are uh, wanting to do is more creativity, like to do mm. things themselves, like self-made. And uh, yeah, uh, so I think uh, we do a lot, a lot more. And we have learned luck has got a lot of input from social movement and indigenous movement in Latin America mm. because they use like if you go to a Zapatista community in Chiapas. Almost all the houses will be painted by wall paintings, telling stories, mm. uh, showing um, what is going on in the community or celebrating something. They're everywhere and telling the story, but also like uh, giving you a, a welcome to an autonomous territory, ter- territory. And the same you can see with the landless movement in Brazil. They will have the theater, what they call mystica, uh, that is kind of interaction, kind of a theater, but still not. It's a very interesting uh, way of opening political meetings, like mm. engaging people a lot more than giving an you know, opening speech like, welcome, they would do like this kind of uh, live theater made collectively by people. Or you have songs, you know, music or yeah, so many things. Or like what I'm working on now within LUG, uh, it's a collective art project uh, together with my sister Astrid. We are trying to document the history of Lug and the collective memory of Lug through uh, a patchwork where we invite like uh, all the members uh, of Lug that has been active before and now and we're talking about more than four years so it's like hundreds of people and we're trying to reach as many as we can and wow. ask them to help us to document the history by both writing down uh, maybe a specific history or um, a reflection and to make a patch either by sewing, knitting, um, gluing, or printing pictures, or whatever, that we will include in this huge patchwork that will be part of an exhibition at Kunstnallershus in, in January. Uh, it's a big uh, uh, art exhibition of art and solidarity that will take place during January and February and until mid-March, I think. Beautiful, can't wait to see it. It sounds... Um... Sounds like such an ambitious project, but um, it must be really fascinating as well for you to gather all these um, these stories and uh, kind of literally uh, what's the word knit it into a into a narrative. Yeah. Um, you know, my my good friend Espen, he says that stories are the fundamental organizing force in society, and I think. That really, t- that really touches upon this idea that there's something quite cathartic about telling a story or telling your story, right? In in this, in a in a different way to, uh, in a narrative way, you know, rather than making a list of demands or complaints. Um, it's a really powerful tool, I think, under underestimated. I also think so, and I think uh, telling stories in a collective way is also important because we know, like history and uh, our own history, is most often told by some selected people in society. It can be men, you know. It's mm. uh, almost everything written on, like, 
Wikipedia or uh, biographies or whatever, you know, history is written by a very few people. And then mm. to try to write history collectively, then you can see like oh, so many different experiences, political visions. Um, and this is all part of our collective struggle. So it's mm. also kind of recognizing that we come from many different places, which I find so much more interesting than to narrow it down to like, this is where we come from, or like, this is our history with two lines under it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, what we're trying to do is like to make something that can be alive and we can continue like this matter where we continue to live and to be uh, worked with like for the years to come. That's yeah. our, at least what we're aiming at. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Lovely. Well, yeah, we look forward to seeing a consensus uh, art and solidarity yeah. show. Yeah. And uh, maybe we can catch up again uh, nearer the time to see how you're getting on. For sure. If you have, That's a good idea. if you uh, if you need some some light relief while you're in the midst of all your sewing. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Great. Well, I know you've got I know you've got to go, so um, yeah. We can uh, wrap it up there. But thanks so much for uh, speaking to us. Yeah. Thank you, James. That was really good. Great. Cool. Okay. I will uh, run. We will have actually a radio cinema. Uh, with our Sony radio project now, so we're going to do a presentation in uh, Steigen, a small community. Oh, cool! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if there's if um if there's anything you, you want to collaborate on, or any ideas, or anything you want to present through the Ten Files Radio platform, then yeah. just drop me a mail. You know, I mean, it can be original content like talks and interviews uh, or it can be you know if you have recordings that you're that you're making um and you want another platform to put them out on then we can do that we can just contextualize them with a short intro or yeah maybe maybe we can have another another talk to you you said you're doing something with radio Raquel as well right yeah i'm making a, a longer series on women and revolution yeah okay but yeah, I mean, we can uh, we can chat about that another time if uh, if that's something you're uh, interested in. We're doing something with Oka around arts and solidarity as well. Okay, that's great. That's probably part of the exhibition then. Or... Yeah, yeah, I think so. So um, okay, maybe, maybe... let's uh, catch up with this. I'm, I will be back in Oslo in like um, ten days or something. All right, great. So it would be great to meet actually and figure out what you're doing. Because me and Otto will also make like a SoundCloud for this patchwork, mm. so that you can listen to the patchwork. That's our idea for gathering a lot of sounds and videos of the recording. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like a great project. Yeah. Okay, I will have to run. All right. Thanks, Ingrid. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, Lisa. Hur går det med Ja, så jag snackar med Lisa Björne Linnert eh, som är konstnären och jag heter Matilde och är workshopkoordinator eh, på Tentaus. Men och vi startade snart en workshop på Mollregataskolan med eh, Lisa som ska kanske introducera sig själv lite. Tack. Jeg heter Lise Bjørnelinnert og er bildkunstner, og ja, jeg jobber egentlig tørrfaglig, 
med mycket skillnad material kanske hundbaserat på textil och har en aktivistisk praxis så är er väl upptatt av humanism mänsklighetsrättigheter och så jobbar jag väldigt ofta med projekten mina med att det är er deltagarbaserat att jag har mig eh andra som medskapare då och där det är också lätt att göra eller på vanliga katter och så med det. Mm. Tack för det. Och ja, så på Mölnlergata ska du på något sätt fortsätta något som du hade startat i fjol då. det kan vara kanske lurt att förklara lite vad det gjorde med elevene då. Ja, det är er ett projekt som vi kallar Färger för hopp och likvärd. Ja. och det började egentligen i fjol vår där gjorde vi en en pilot för projektet så att det är er, eh, ett projekt som väldigt kort fortalt så brukar det plantefarging eh, och workshop för det som en ingång för att snacka om eh, mänskliga rättigheter eh kvinnolikvärdighet mellan kön eh, och speciellt egentligen eh, mot våld mot kvinnor och förebyggelse av det som kan ta för sig på något sätt många delar av berg FNs bergrättsmål Och i mot oss som Mellegata är en en skola så eh var det och en av tingen som jag tror lite stolt att jobba med barna där så att det är alla barna på fjärde trinn. Eh och så är det ett långvarigt projekt. Det är ofta mindre projekt så att det är egentligen eh som är huvudarrangörer sammen med mig och med dere på detta. Eh vi vill ju att vi ska hålla med det i 2030 som är då det som er året for målene for FNs bærekraftmålskvalgt. Så barna, de, det er egentlig tredelt, så det er en workshop hvor barna lærer om plantefølging, resirkulering, vi bruker, vi samler materialer, bevisne blomster, netter, røtter, mange forskjellige ting som vi da løkskald, og så bruker vi det til å lage protestersorter, og så farger vi også textiler som är er, eh, som också är er recirkulerade då. Eh, och så lägger de logo till de skjortmästarna som som ska handla om eh likvärdighet mellan kön och om eh, kampen för att stoppa våld mot kvinnor. Eh, och den andra delen av av eh, detta projekt där då är er vi på Tentas så tar vi med oss lite allt material som vi då har skapat och så möts vi ofta efter en stund då lite studien och eh, så brukar vi de stoffprövningar som vi har lagt de brukar vi till att lage eh, ett banner eh, som också jobbar vidare med tankarna om vad är er, eh, likvärdighet vad är er, eh, som vi brukar på måste eh, rummen och och tända oss till lage som en slags protest eh, ikke fabrik men en protestdagar som vi är där jobbar vi med mindre grupper och eh, så det sista när vi då har varit på den dag så har vi en öppning där och så flyttar oss till skolgården eh, på Mölnlanda och detta bandet blev hängt upp på första gången 25 november i fjol eh, och det är er då FNs internationella dag för avskaffelse av våld mot kvinnor och då lagde skolan också en då var hela skolan med så hade de protestring och barna de på fjärrtrinn visade persokvinnorna eh, inne i skolan och så hade ja, de har de lagt en 
underskriftskampanje som de äldste barnen signerade. Ja. Ja. Och så nu är det lite annorlunda på grund av corona har ju haft en riktning på för att vi ville så jag vet med barnen på våren och så har vi mött sen på hösten. Men i och med allt det som det blev nu så har vi så ska jag nog igång med fjärde trinn igen men det var ju viktigt att upprätthålla på en eller annen måte det vi har gjort där sånt det är ett år hvor vi ikke gör någon särskilt år som för det coronaepidemin har ju också gjort att våld mot kvinnor har blivit mycket mycket värre eh och det har varit många och kriscenter har varit stängt alltså så att på något sätt situationen är ju också mer prekär så att så i år då så ska vi lage så istället för att vi har fått färdigt då så ska vi lage protest eller såna bandanas protestskärf som bara som blir i sätt mot att vara på ett mundin men som man också ofta brukar i protestmarscher så barnen ska lage det och då har vi har ju förberett något på det och så klipper de syr de och så brukar vi den samma måten till att lage det till att reflektera runt forskjellige deler da, av tematikken. Og så skal de farge tersene sine til hånden. Så da blir det en slags sånn, ja, en annen vei inn, på en måte. Ja, ikke sant? Og prosjekten heter Ny en mål. Er det sant, ikke sant? Ja, det er egentlig, det er kanskje bakgrunnen for det. Fordi selve dette prosjektet heter Farger for håp og likeverd. Men grunnen til at jeg gjør det, er at når jeg da snakker med barna, så kan jeg også referere til virkeligheten, fordi det synes jeg også er veldig viktig å på en måte snakke med barna om hvordan det er i andre steder, andre deler av verden. Og jeg har gjennom veldig mange år jobbet med et prosjekt i Sydalfares i Mexico, som er en by som ligger helt nord på grensa til USA. Og det er en by hvor volden mot kvinner er helt ekstrem og har vært det i ja, 30 år, sånn at kvinner blir systematisk myndighet de blir. Og jeg har jobbet med et prosjekt i 15 år som på en måte tar for seg vold mot kvinner gjennom å brodere navnelapper. Og så i 2017 så satte jeg opp en i samarbeid med aktivister og tekstilkunstnere i Kåret, så satte jeg opp en sysbue og et plantefargeverksted som da gir jobb til kvinner som er som kommer fra de områdene som er mest utsatt, som er mest sårbare for volden. Sånn at den teknikken som jeg lærer bort til barna, det er den teknikken vi farger plaggene med i HRS. Så sånn sett kan jeg også fortelle elevene om dette skjer der, og hvorfor gjør vi det, og hva det betyr på en måte det å bli økonomisk selvstendig, hva det betyr, hvordan er det andre steder hvor barna sånn som i Juarez, hvor veldig mange barn vokser opp uten kontakt med foreldrene sine, fordi de jobber på fabrikker og er borte mesteparten av døgnet. Så er det sånn sett et... Det er grunnen til at jeg på en måte også ønsket å involvere barn. Det er en måte at jeg kan knytte det til noe som foregår parallelt. Ja, 
Og um, vi skal jo også uh, stille ut hva barna kommer til å lage. Um, og ja, det kommer til å være en utstilling som kommer til å se to forskjellige dager. Du har kanskje lyst til å forklare litt om det. Ja, det blir på en måte i denne penthouse, og jeg er kjempeglad for å være der, for det er noe om å ta barna ut av skolen, inn i et galleri, og også få snakket med dem om hva er kunst, og hvordan kan kunst peke tilbake til virkeligheten, hvordan kan kunst være aktivistisk, hvordan, eh, selv om de er små, elve, så opplevde jeg jo i fjor at de ble kjempeengasjert, og at, de, og at jeg tenker at det er en så utrolig viktig måte å få barna å bli engasjert i det med kunst som uttrykk, som er nevndelen. Men så er det også veldig gøy for barna å få vise hva det er de holder på med. Så da vil dette, på en måte, det rommet vi jobber i på Tentaus, det vil jo vokse på veggene med det de lager av skister og det vi holder på med når de da nå skal lage disse bandanas-skjerfene. Så lager de to stykker, sånn at det blir ett som de kan ha på seg på den dagen, og så det blir jo ikke noe, det banneret vårt, det er jo kjempestort, men tre ganger fem meter fra i fjor, så det henger oppe i teltas, og så flytter vi det over til skolegården, men så supplerer vi det da med disse eh, bandanerskjerfene som de lager eh, i år. Der, og da blir det ofte sånn som i fjor, så ble veggen fullt av skissene deres, av spørsmål vi hadde som utgangspunkt for å reflektere, eh, sånn at det ble liksom et veldig, og så kom da, eh, i fjor så kom, eh, var det hele skolen som kom, eh, de kom en og en klasse og så, og så hadde, var det, hadde de akselaget eh, frukt, og det var liksom en veldig rektor åpnet, og det var barna snakket, og det ble liksom en veldig tidlig, åpning på Tentas. Og så det blir mandag 23. Og da er det i utgangspunktet foreldrene, for det blir jo på mange steder litt mindre i at man må ha disse koronareglene, men det tror jeg også folk er ganske vant til nå, sånn at man venter og går gjennom år på sett. Og så flyttes jo da alt det vi har gjort på en måte, det flyttes bannere kommer opp i skolegården igjen, og så kommer da disse bandanasene opp, og så blir det eh, noe av tegningene flyttes også over i, i, inni skolen i den dagen. Sånn at da er det ute i skolegården, jeg tror det begynner å eh, Og så er det den dagen litt avhengig av hvor eh, regnet skjult det blir. Utgangspunktet hadde vært hvis det bannere hang, hang oppe resten av den uka. Men sånn som i fjor så regnet det jo helt, så da måtte vi jo bare ta det ned, for den er jo litt kjør da, hvis vi skal tenke at det skal holde i mange år. Ja, ja det er sant. Um, men det høres jo veldig spennende ut, og uh, veldig fint at alle kan, uh, kan komme og se hva barna har produsert, egentlig. Mm. Mm. Um, og hvordan... Og det blir jo også en fin måte for barna å refortelle hva er det vi gjør, hvorfor gjør vi dette. Og det igjen blir jo en spire, tenker jeg, til et engasjement. Selv om de er unge, så er det jo noe med måten man kan relatere det til deres alder, til innenfor, utenfor, det å føle seg utenfor. Altså, det er så mange, mange innganger egentlig til tematikken da. Mm. 
så det upplevde jag verkligen i fjor att eh, önskar eller var eller var många av de önskar men det var en som satt och han visste lite sån orolig det han hade sån där på vi bytte postit lappar så han hade satt det i pannan så jag var liksom gick bort och tänkte vad är er det han eh, har eh, liksom åh och så hade han bara skrivit ni eh, så reflekterade tanker om det och att uh, gå veck från det som uh, är um, att du ska förlata det som inte är er bra och på något sätt vara vid det som är er, uh, bra och det var sånt där jag tycker många de hade så jag var överraskad av hur reflekterade de var till att de bara är går i tjänstklasse ja ja inte sant nej det är er ju säkert en upplevelse att jobba med barn och och se och höra vad de tänker då Mm. Och ehm uh, um, kanske som sist frågeställ uh, då. Um, mm. uh, vill jag gärna höra vad du önskar för framtiden med projekten då. Um, er det så att du ska um, jobba med olika skolor eller ska du fortsätta med samma skola och utveckla projektet in till 2030 då? 2030. Tanken var jo det att jobba vidare med och det är er nog det jag gör med projektet att det är er otroligt det är er viktigt att ting inte bara sker en gång men att det är er nog i den gentagna och formella gata skolan så är er det nog i det påvinge att barna som är er på tredje trinn att de vet att när vi kommer i fjärde trinn så ska vi göra det här och då blir det också en fortsättelse den boken med protester blir fylld upp av alla eleverna som har varit med och som kommer i i trinn och så att man också ser att en sån ting är er något som man gör en gång och så är er det över där är det er engagemang som trängs och vara det är ändå det allmänt att vi vi tänker och fortsätter och med att ta stilling till vi har ju varit så illa att vi har fått stötta eh från Sparbankstiftelsen till projektet som för de nästa två åren så att då har vi i vart fall de täckt och så ehm och i löp av den perioden så så i alla fall eh jag vet att eh, Ax önskar väldigt starkt att göra det i 2030. Eh och och det hade varit spännande att inkludera andra skolor på ett större del för jag tänker ju så att som att det på det i fallet till bärkraftsmål nå så är er det ju de unga som ska på något sätt vara de som verkligen ska jobba vidare med de målen och jag syns att det och lyfta dig fram och tydliggöra dig för barna är eller för alla folk egentligen då blir det liksom lite närare att det är faktiskt något som att det blir på något sätt genomför det eller vem på vidare. Även där stora mål så är er det nog att ändringar sker och inte fysiska det startar ju på något sätt när var och en oss. Det är så här viktigt att fortälla eller låta barna uppleva då att det har en betydning det jag tänker och säger och efter vart Jeg blir eldre at jeg stemmer, at jeg på en måte kan være med og påvirke. Mm. Um, det tror jeg. Ja, det er jo veldig sant. Og ja, det gjør sikkert en stor, det er sikkert en stor innflytelse i deres liv. De kommer alltid til å huske en sånn workshop, sikkert. Jeg tror at det er veldig annerledes enn det å bare snakke om noe, for det er jo ting som man har snakket om. Mm. Man har snakket om det på skolen, man, men det er når man også gjør noe med hendene samtidig og lager noe. Og egentlig så hadde jeg håpet at denne t-skjorta, den ble noe som de går på, og de har liksom laget en logo, og de har 
tänkt på och vad de vill se si med och ha det på sig mm. och att den då kunde vara att de tog var på den då så att de så på den och blev huska på ja det är er ja um, det är er varför nu och jag tänker när man får med nu och har brukt tid på nu så tror jag det sätter andra typer spår jag tror att det är snabbt samman men man gör nu med henne det gör nu med måten vi huskar på och måten vi um, tar Ja. Mm. Og det er jo kanskje litt viktig å si at det er jo en langsiktig projekt, men uh, barna jobber, um, uh, altså det er ikke bare en dag, det er jo flere dager, uh, ja, ganske sånn er intenst. Uh, ja, det. Mm. Der I, I den opplevelsen kommer jeg jo liksom først og er med alle barna på fjerde, så jeg er på skolen i nesten en måned. Men så jobber de i mindre grupper, og så da har vi jo lånt kjemirommet, og det kokes, og det lukter, og det flyr jo liksom sånn. Det er jo også en enkelt en man er med i, både det handler om miljø, resirkulering, vi kan lære om kjemi, om farger, det er jo så mange ting som inngår i det. Men det er jo nettopp det at ikke ting er bare en workshop en dag, men at de får komme tilbake, og så, og det er jo noen ganger hvor jeg har tenkt at, oi, Og ble jeg en enkelt her, eller jeg tenkte også at det ble alt så vanskelige spørsmål. Eller... Men så kommer barna tilbake, og så har de tenkt over det vi snakket om sist. Og så kommer de med noen nye spørsmål, eller de har noe. Og da blir jeg liksom, tenker, oh, så glad for at jeg fikk møtt igjen. Sånn at vi kan, det er, det er liksom noe med den tiden. Og det samme da når vi kommer til tenta, og så vi får en annen inngang til det. Og da når de viser dette den, den tredje gangen, så har de jo på en måte fått et slags, de har, de har, de har fått et eierforhold da, til det de vil si. Um, og det merket man jo på at barna som hadde lyst til å snakke og si sine innlegg. Og, og det kan jo knyttes, det trenger jo ikke å handle om så stort som så langt unna som i Juarez. Det kan jo handle om hvordan man behandler hverandre i klasserommet. Mm. Hvordan man behandler venninder, jenter og gutter. Altså, det er mange, mange lag i den type fortelling, da, eller, eller det det handler om. Ja, jeg er helt enig. Så, um, ja, vi kan bare påminne at det blir den 23. november. Da. Uh, mm-hmm. Og så 25. i skolen, men eh, jeg tenker at det er gøy hvis man vil komme og se oss noe på den tas. Jeg tror det, en, det blir et, eh, i fjor var det i hvert fall to rom fulle energi fra, fra de, og, og det, var veldig, det er fint. Jeg er veldig glad for å ha prosjektet. Ja, mm, ja, vi gleder oss til å ha barna på Tentaus i november, da. og yeah. lykke til til da. Och tusen tack. Och eh, tusen tack för samtalen. Elige Mode, tack så mycket. Ja, tack ska du ha. Ha det gott. Hej. Hej.